cool. So today we are literally wrapping up the series on of faith. And um, yeah. if you got our email out that would have gone out yesterday, um, so check your email if you haven't seen it yet. Um, the next series we're doing is The Apprentice. And um, I love the artwork that's been done for it because it's totally not something I would automatically think is kind of in that line of thought. So if you look at the image, and it's on our Facebook page now that I posted this morning, um, and it's in the um, email out, um, you've got this image of this crazy stunt biker flying off a cliff mid-air doing a stunt. And then you've got a boy about Ruben's age <laughs> on a little tiny bicycle on the edge of the cliff getting the best possible position to see how it's done um, and um, getting his best possible view to position himself to be able to do that which his, his teacher, his rabbi, if we're going to fry it, the old Hebrew term, is doing. And so it's going to be a great series. We're going to try a few things which we've never tried before. The view and the goal of this series is something that was on my heart and a part of the vision for City Hill, but I never got round to doing. So this series is key. There's going to be one week where we're going to have some different activities going on here where I'm not actually going to be doing a talk at all. So I'm preparing everyone for that. I'm going to be kind of sitting in one of the pews over there by the, opposite the bar and um, on my own, having a drink. Scotch, 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 scotch. No, no, no. And what we're going to do is, um, it may, if we don't manage to do it that, that time, that's cool. We'll overlap onto the next week as well. But hopefully we'll get this all done in, in one go. And what it will be is each individual person, I want to have a quick one-to-one -one time with, chatting for a few questions. The idea is this. The vision for City Hill... If you missed it, we banged on about it for a year and a half, and I realized we haven't banged on about it for six months, is this, is that a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Shine your light before men that they may see your good works. Praise your Father in heaven. He, Jesus talks about a lamp, and he says you don't take a lamp and put it under a basket. That's crazy. You stick it on a lampstand so it gives light to all who are in the room. So for City Hill, our question is this. How do we position the light of God as a collective, as a group, that people in this location and area can see who God is. So our way of doing that, being a very small church, very small collective, is to position it by showing love to a local independent business. So we connect with Metro to be here, but we also try to find ways to serve and to help them and to be beneficial and be a blessing to them. And I know from conversations I've had with Fran that she feels that we have been. So we're fulfilling that part. We've been a light here, and that's important. But then the second part of the Vision of City here was this. Not as a collective, but as in individuals, how do we shine the light of what Jesus has for us in our spheres of influence and within our areas of work? So as, an, as we explore the apprentice route, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be hoping to spend once upon time where it's not me saying to you, this is how you do this, but it's like finding out your area of work, your area of friendship, your area of influence, and finding a way you're comfortable expressing the light that God's given us. So it's not like a, like a heavy-handed thing. It's exploring these kind of patterns and finding ways that each one of us can shine for Jesus among our friends that's not in a weird, creepy, Hadouken, she came on a Honda, the keys to my Sierra, let's have a Shandy kind of way, but like a real tangible way. So it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun, and it's going to be great. It's going to be a fantastic series. It's also a bit different because it's a bit out there, but actually that's what discipleship is. Like Jesus had disciples and they, they worked on and talked about a way of life that they would live. 
Now, we've been doing a series on faith, and the reason all our series tie across to the next series is because we're always going on a journey, we're moving in a direction. Now, you take a step of faith, now the disciples, when they followed Jesus, when he asked them to follow him and invited them, they took a step of faith, which was this, can I trust Jesus to shape my life and how I'm going to live it and how I'm going to do it? Because a rabbi wasn't just this guy who did talks once a week. A rabbi was this guy that every day was shaping and forming your worldview, the way that you live, and that is what discipleship is in the New Testament. So we're going to explore how we can be disciples of Jesus, like really practically hands-on, not this like ethereal thing over there, but like, yeah, I want to put my trust in Jesus. This is how it's going to look in my life. So that is why we're shifting from faith to being an apprentice. And no one is going to be, everyone's going to be in control of their own thing. We're going to be chatting through it. No one's going to be asked to do anything they don't want to do. It's going to be exploring how we can be light of the world. So it's going to be a really exciting series. Now, faith is something that is firm. It's a guarantee. It's a warranty. So in the Greek, we looked at um, last week, I think it was, and we talked about faith being a warranty, a guarantee. Um, in the Hebrew understanding, it was more like a contract, an agreement that was reached. So it's something that's firm and steadfast. It's not something ethereal and out there. So if we were to read um, one of the passages we're going to look at today and it was going to happen in our context, it would happen like this. It would be a story and a narrative where I am an eBay seller and I am buying on eBay and there is an agreement and a transaction and I pay and I spend my money and I have faith that the item will arrive. And so I would say to this Jesus, I am an eBay seller. I understand how the system works. I spend my money on the product and then I wait for it to be received. I understand that you just say and you buy and it comes and it goes. And so we are looking at Matthew chapter 8 verse 5. It's a story we've looked at before. I love it, which is why we're looking at it again. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to all those who followed him, truly I say to you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many, and then he goes on to give an illustration. So Jesus marvels at this guy's faith. So in our context of the eBay seller, it would be like, my relative's sick, they're really ill, but I understand how this trust thing works. I understand how a guarantee works. I understand how agreements work. I understand how contracts work. I understand how guarantees work. I understand how warranties work. And I understand that with you, I just tell you this scenario. I know all I need from you is the agreement. I just need you to agree on the contract. I need you to agree on the situation. And I know the situation will change because I get it. You buy on eBay and it comes in the post. And I totally get that. And Jesus would be like, wow, I have not found such faith on Clapham Common. So that's kind of the story. That's the narrative here. But there's, there's, there's this side of things which I guess when we preach faith at this angle, everyone hears that story and they're like, oh, I get it. I'm totally in. I buy on eBay too and things come. And if they don't, eBay takes care of it. I totally get it. You've got this. I can trust you with this. And we all sign up to that. We all subscribe to that. Yeah? So all of us are like, totally, something's gone wrong, and I believe God can fix it. Oh, I'd like a piece of that, God coming and fixing everything that goes wrong in my life, and there being no pain, no suffering, none of that. I'm totally in on that gospel. But 
the side of this coin, faith, we see them sometimes as two separate things. And so when we believe in that side of things, when things don't happen that way, we have problems of trust. And we sometimes start to doubt the agreement. And we sometimes start to doubt the guarantee and the warranty of this good news, this message that comes to us, because sometimes things just don't work out that way. So this week, someone I know, um, their baby boy died. Um, Yeah. That's a tough deal, but you see, their deal was this. Their their baby boy came into this world, this beautiful, beautiful baby boy, and they knew straight away that this bundle of joy was only with them for a finite amount of time. This boy had a limited time guarantee on his life that he would not live to grow old. They wouldn't see him develop, and he's gone. (coughs) Now, I don't think they're from the Christian tradition, but if they were from the Christian tradition, and you've just looked at just this one story and like Christians always present this side of faith and you're like, yeah, I'm totally in. And then all of a sudden you're in a situation where you're given a baby boy that's not going to live and you know that and it's gone. How do you deal? And it makes you start to question the authenticity of the message and the good news of what you put your trust in. And where do you place that? I want to say today that both the great story here of this dude just getting healed on the word of Jesus and the story I've just said are the same coin. They're two sides of the exact same coin. So we're going to look at John chapter 10. And... In verse, oh no, we're going to look at John 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill... He stayed two days longer in the place that he was. Wow, that's some love. (laughs) Then after he said this to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews are now seeking to kill you, and you're going to go back? He answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not with him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll get better. He'll wake up. Like, why are you risking your life for this? Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of taking a rest in sleep. When Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, 
said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Wow, that's a great line. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believe in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in her house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could he, who, not have, who opened the, blind eyes, the eyes of a blind man, also have kept this man from dying. When Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time it will stink, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said, had said this, these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen straps and his face wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So in this story, the reason I've chosen it isn't because there's a happy ending, because the ultimate truth is that Lazarus died again. I'm going to throw that out there. None of us have seen Lazarus still walking around. Lazarus is dead. Lazarus rose from the dead, but he dead. He gone. The point of this story and this narrative is the other side of the coin. When Jesus gets there, they're grieving and they're saying, you could have done something about this. You weren't here. The fact that Jesus raises him back to life again isn't the point of the story. The reason that happens in the story, the reason that's there, is to make you and I aware of the bigger narrative, the bigger story to put our faith and our trust in. And that is this. Faith does not deny reality. Faith denies finality. 
that death is real, but it's no longer the final word. Sickness is real, but it's no longer the final word. Paul takes this story, this message that Jesus brings, and he says, death, where is your sting? Where's it gone? He's encountered this gospel of Jesus that he puts his trust in. Paul dies. John dies. Peter dies. Every disciple dies. The little girl Jesus raised from the dead as well. She's dead as well. Lazarus, they're dead. They're all dead. But the whole point of this story is that you and I can put our trust in a bigger narrative, which is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And that when we encounter this story, we can look at suffering and pain in a different way. We can pray for someone who is sick and say, Lord, we know that you can heal this person and we hope and trust that you will. And I've known people to be healed. Like even my father, years ago when I was about eight years of age, I remember out of nowhere my dad got this huge kind of lump on his hand and he was really sick in bed and he'd been sick for about a week or two. And he called me and he said, son, I need you to pray for me. He goes, I don't know what this is. I don't know whether it's cancer or not or whatever it is. And he said, I'm scared and I want you to pray for me. And he says, I know that if we agree together, Jesus can heal. And my dad had this huge lump. And I remember being eight years of age. And I, as my dad was going to bed that night, um, I remember sitting on the side of his bed, putting my hand on my dad's arm and saying, in the name of Jesus, we command this to go in Jesus' name. Amen. The next morning, that lump was gone. So I know my Jesus heals. My parents couldn't have children. The doctor said they wouldn't have children. My mom had three still birth miscarriages. All that way to have your, your dreams wrecked every time. And then God speaks to that church around the corner, on, um, Clapham Commons, around the corner from here. You're going to have a son. They went through all that pain each time. My dad was suffering again. I know that God heals. I know that can happen. But you know what? Even if the times that doesn't happen, even the times when I've prayed for people, people I've loved, and they're gone and they're dead, and, and, and they're gone, and I don't get it, I don't understand it. But ultimately, when it comes to faith, we put our trust in a bigger narrative than the here and now. I know my God can heal. I know my God can do these things. But ultimately, I look at the sign that Jesus shows in Lazarus, that Jesus shows in his own body. And so when we look at those situations, we have to understand that it's the same coin. And the reason I share this today is because this message may not mean anything to you right now. It might not but I want to encourage you to remember it because it's never a case of if something tragic happens in your life. It's when something tragic happens in your life. And when you encounter those scenarios, looking at the short-term trust in Jesus isn't going to help you get through it. It's not going to help you. But trusting in a Jesus that is the resurrection of the life that can bring something beyond that which you hope and know and understand can change everything in your life. I'm going to pray for us now and we're going to wrap up and that'll be the end of our series on faith. Um, Father God, there are some of us here today that need to hear the centurion story because we're facing situations out of our control that we cannot change. 
The centurion was a powerful man that had authority, but this was outside of him. And so he came to the one who he believed had the authority to change it. Father, we bring to you today, each of us, our individual struggles, worries, fears of situations that are outside of our control and power. And we put our trust in you, knowing that you can say the word, that your word is final, that our situation can transform. Secondly, Lord, some of us today can be going through things that are so, so, so fearful, so worrying, so alarming. Issues that deeply hurt us, traumatize us and scar us. Some of us may be issues that we have left unresolved. Some of us issues that we'll face in the future. We pray that we would know this second narrative, this Lazarus narrative. That we would know that your word is final and that our faith doesn't deny reality but finality. We pray that you would speak to us, that you would be with us. And that those of us that need to mourn would mourn. Because you said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. I pray Holy Spirit that you would be with us this week and empower us in Jesus name. Amen.